What's up, guys? Connor O'Hanlon here for another episode of the Con O Show. And today, we are going to be hitting a plethora of stories that have happened in the last week. We're going to do speed round uh, in this part of the show, as we normally would take the full hour uh, today. As you guys may or may not know, um, with my campaign, the time uh, that I have to actually record is significantly reduced and the time that I have to prepare is also significantly reduced with work and campaigning and with my CPA exam being uh, in five days. So with that being said, we're going to jump right into the main beef of the week. And that is going to be, from my perspective, the Nina Turner, Chantel Brown race in Ohio's 11th congressional district. Now, if you are new to the show, this may come to uh, be a little bit of a shocker of a segment, but if you're not new to this program, you will know that I have, even as chair, because I think it is responsibility of people in leadership, I have critiqued, I have held to account the party, the Democratic Party, that I am chairman of. A lot of what I'm going to be talking about today is praise in some ways for some parts of the party, and it is going to be uh, holding feet to the fire, and this first piece is going to be more of the latter. In Ohio's Congressional District 11, there was a special election because of the promotion or the appointment of, uh, I believe, Marsha Fudge, who was the former congressman or congresswoman, to uh, be appointed of the Biden administration. Now, Congressman Fudge was rather progressive. Um... Not, you know, not necessarily the squad, but you are talking about someone that is more progressive than uh, the average. Now, when you look at things in this race going, uh, for a long time, Nina Turner was leading. You can go back a few weeks ago when I was talking about this, and I talked specifically about the targeting of the race by the party, in particular, um, one, James Clyburn, Clyburn. Uh, and you will also notice that in the last couple of weeks, Hillary Clinton endorsed Chantel Brown. Uh, other centrist Democrats ended up supporting um, Chantel Brown. Nina Turner was supported by all the progressive groups, whether that be the DSA, the Working Families Party, uh, Bernie, AOC, the rest of the squad, you know, the future of the party. So very clearly and very quickly, you saw that the dynamics of this race were set up. Old guard, new guard. We're going to fight it out. And as usual, every time that one of these races happens, we see it get really ugly from one side. Now, if you look back into 2016's campaign... Because this is the pro- this has been the proxy that has been going on since 2015, 2016, since Bernie started to actually gain headway in the presidential race. The dynamic has been smear, smear, smear the progressive. Now, I will admit that Nina Turner supporting Jill Stein in 2016, stupid, okay? 
That's fine. But the rest of the stuff that is said about Nina Turner, the the I saw I have had to unfriend people and unfollow people on social media because of the celebrations because Nina Turner had lost. Good for you. Good for you that you have health care. Good for you that you don't have to worry about being homeless. Good for you that you don't have student loan debt. Good for you that you don't have to worry about uh, a plethora of other issues that a progressive would be fighting for and a non-progressive won't be standing up against. Because I have the, uh, the I, I, it's so this has been so ingrained in the Democratic Party, this battle for five or six years at this point, that it is like clockwork every single time that they're going to smear them as, oh, they're going to question Nina Turner's, uh, you know, her blackness. They're going to question how oh, her allegiance to the party. You don't need to have an allegiance to a party. You need to have allegiance to the freaking working class people of this country it just so happens that the democratic party is the party of the working class people or at least it should be and it has been historically now if you stand up for um if you stood up for social security if you stood up for medicare back in the day you were a radical but yet those things are the most impactful and most positive and most uh favored programs to exist in America. So when we talk about the war that is going on between in the Democratic Party, and it has been, and it will continue to do so, when you smear universal health care, when you smear Medicare for all, when you smear the candidates putting this up, when you call it pie in the sky and you say you spend millions of dollars primarying against somebody that is popular, that has gotten people from across the country support, that has gotten people from across the country to drive, to fly, to come door knock, to go canvassing, you're going to smear that person for the short-term gain, short-term gain, and you're going to smear the progressive party the progressive agenda that historically if you pass medicare for all today in a hundred years you would be talking about it in the textbooks like it was the new deal you'd be talking like it about it like it was social security like it was um uh i mean basically it would be like the new deal i mean it it, it is basically a natural natural extension of what the new deal was and it was a natural extension of what john f kennedy wanted to do when he proposed medicare and yet we're somehow radical um when we talk about this stuff i am tired of these races going to be dirty 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 you have one candidate that's being positive talking about specifically their agenda and now you can say this person said something stupid. That person said something stupid. You talk enough. You go and speak all the time. You're going to say something stupid at some point. The the smears, the millions of dollars that were spent to absolutely bury Nina Turner is exactly the reason why young people do not want to associate with our party. I will say that again. If you smear progressives, you smear the person that is running that will represent the interests of young people, young people will stop associating with the party. There will be no allegiance because they never had allegiance to the party. I am an exception. 
I believe that the party can be reformed and be changed and be molded into something that it used to be. I'm going to bring the 20th century and I'm going to bring it into the 21st century, ditch the bad parts like the racism. Get rid of the Dixiecrats, only New Deal Democrats. It's not hard. It's not. Now, of course, what I was what I was alluding to is in 2016, the second that Bernie started gaining traction, they uh, alleged sexism, they alleged racism, all this stuff. I was called all this stuff. When I was a 19-year-old, an 18-year-old, and I was trying to elect the most progressive uh, senator to be in the Congress probably in maybe 100 years, I mean, mm, it eats me up. Because, ah, yeah, yeah, you guys... If you guys are watching this, you probably agree with me. And if you are watching this and you disagree with me, that's okay. But I'm telling you, and I po- I made a post on Twitter today. I made a little thread. When people come and ask me, where are the young people? You keep pushing us aside. Where are the young people? I've done a million talk- segments on this, and I'm going to continue to do it until people start to freaking listen. I am tired of being the youngest person associated with the Democratic Party in my town. I might just so happen to be the leader, but I am the youngest by a good margin. I'm tired of it. I want other people to get involved. But if you keep pushing people aside and saying all the smears, I mean, I've been smeared by the people within the Democratic Party, not in an actual election. But the the more that you guys attack us, because the thing is, is if, if let's just not even, we don't even have to use Nina Turner's race exactly, but if, let's just say I was running against a, in a primary against, or you know what the thing is, is that I know of about two other examples off the top of my head, I won't use names, but in local politics that if they had a primary, when they had a primary, if the progressive used the tactics that the, the centrist used, they would have been chased out of the party the second it started happening. It would have been up in, up in arms, crazy. How could you possibly say this about this person? They're so nice. They're so this. They're so that. They've been around. They've been doing this. Whereas if the progressive is labeled as a wacko or something other, you know, you, you use all these hashtags to say all this shit and they smear them and they spend money to smear them over and over and over again. They call you, you know... They'll call you a racist or ageist. They'll come up with anything that they want to smear the progressive, even though the progressive is actively working against these things, actively working to end racism, actively fighting to get health care to every single goddamn person in this country, not just the the means tested. We need to get it for these people. No, every single person in this country. We want to fight for a Green New Deal because the Green New Deal is a jobs guarantee. So you can actually boost the economy while building a green green society for tomorrow. That'll actually create the American dream for generations to come. Because guess what? We want the American dream for Americans. We want that to exist for our kids, for the grandkids. And yet, we are tossed aside over and over and over again. I'm tired of it. Now, this is just a rant. It's just a, you know, one little segment about this. 
it might not mean anything. No, maybe nobody will even see this. I hope you guys do, and I hope you guys care about it, and I hope it might be able to put some fire in. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you're a progressive watching this, because if you're not a progressive and you're not and you're watching this, that's fine. You can agree with me or disagree with me. That's okay. This is for the progressives. If you care about all these things that I said, ending poverty, ending homelessness, uh, fighting for universal health care, uh, fixing climate change, uh, ending racism, and bigotry broadly, protecting the LGBTQ community, because, you know, I'm tired of that performative crap. The Democratic Party is the vehicle. The party is made up of people. The only way that we make change happen is having more people engaged, is having more people involved in the process. Now, I get it. It's frustrating at times. Uh, it can be disheartening. But we, as a party, we, as a people, need to unite, need to fight together, and we can battle within each other. We can have these fights. We can lose these fights. Look, I'm going to talk about it in a second here, but Cori Bush in 2018 got blown out in her race. In 2020, wins by 3%. Things change, organize, mobilize. And when that takes place, that is when change happens. When we inspire each other, when we push each other to fight, that is when it can change. So we, Nina Turner may have lost. The progressives are going absolutely nowhere. We are staying right here. And I'm telling you, when it gets frustrating, figure something out, whether it be something like this, just rant. That's okay. You can go to the gym. You can go run. You can go scream into a pillow, whatever. But get back up. Get ready to fight again because the fight for these things are worth it. These fights are worth it. I promise you. With the little bit of change that I've been able to make, I'm telling you, if we all collectively pulled like that, we can make it happen. So, segueing from that into the uh, eviction moratorium, which did, uh, it is getting extended a slight, we'll, we'll see about the final, I'm recording this um, before, you know, obviously before Friday, so we'll see exactly what happens, but the moratorium, uh, the rent uh, moratorium, uh, the eviction moratorium, I'm sorry, um, is going to be extended. Now, <laughs> who led the fight on that? Was it A, Nancy Pelosi? Was it B, uh, Chuck Schumer? Was it C, Joe Biden? Or was it D, Cori Bush? It wasn't A, it wasn't B, it wasn't C. In fact, Nancy Pelosi was a detriment. In fact, Joe Biden was a detriment to the eviction moratorium. Chuck Schumer, I don't know what he was doing. He's probably hanging out with uh, Kirsten Cinema before she goes on vacation and leaves us all without an infrastructure bill or leaves us all without a reconciliation bill because, of course, they're performative and they don't want to actually provide for the working class of this country. Cori Bush, on the other hand, a justice Democrat, somebody that is a Democrat, 
somebody that represents the New Deal style of Democrat. With, of course, AOC, the rest of the squad, but specifically Cori Bush led this fight because guess what? Cori Bush was homeless. In her lifetime, she was homeless. So she knows what it's like to be evicted. She knows what it's like not to have a home. Now, I don't know what that's like, but I have empathy to know that if someone is homeless, it's not about whether or not they're at risk from COVID. It's the fact that they are homeless. And this is why I get a little animated, and I'm still going to be animated, is because the qualifications, the means testing that is slapped on to every one of these centrist bills or any any of these executive actions or whatever it is, is it's means tested for some stupid reason, some arbitrary thing. And that's because now the uh, eviction moratorium is only going to be targeting specifically places that are heavily impacted by COVID, which might end up being everywhere. I don't know. We'll have to see. And again, I I apologize just by the timing of how I have to record these. It might end up being everywhere just because of the Delta virus or the Delta variant. However, there's no guarantee. So if you're in a spot that might not be as affected by the COVID uh, vaccine or the COVID uh, variant right now, then evictions might happen. And you have landlords that will be chomping at the bit. So, we want to send our thank you to Cori Bush, to AOC, to the organizers, to the people that put their time and effort into extending the eviction moratorium. Now, I will also point out where we have that that is going to be extended on some level. If Cori Bush was not elected in 2020, millions, and I mean this, millions of people would have been evicted within the next month, or the evictions would have started within the next month. Because the person that led the fight had the story, had the guts to stand up. That's one person. Now, you don't do it with just one person. You do it with a movement, but you can't. It would have just been a blip and gone. But no. Because of the pressure, because of the popularity of these uh, members of Congress, they can poll people. They can say, hey, we're going to do this. And, you know, the same thing, like you have AOC, you have Jamal Bowman. They have they'll call in people. They'll do whatever. They get people to go. Protests make things happen. Activism makes things happen. Elections make things happen. Electing Cori Bush is literally stopping millions of evictions. Now, again, the House could have passed something before. The Senate could have passed something before. Joe Biden could have done it unilaterally. Before all this. And this is why we get (laughs) progressives. I'm saying we. Progressives get frustrated. Is because why are we fighting to pull you on things that are common sense? 
It is common sense. When you means test who gets evicted and who doesn't get evicted, you are actively choosing to say that some of you are worthy of housing and some of you are unworthy of housing because of some arbitrary means tested bullshit. Means testing doesn't work. <laughs> Universality works. Universality kicks ass. Because then you don't get the Ronald Reagan crap that phrases that frames people as welfare queens. Hey, guess what? Since the 60s, people, you know, people talk about, I, you know, I'm listening to a debate as I come home, right? So people talk about welfare and how this changed all this different stuff. The welfare state has been under attack for 50 freaking years. The welfare state is one of the least robust welfare states in the world. Social security is capped because the rich control the government. The oligarchs control if you can have health care because they need to have a profit. And while they'll, they'll pin us against each other, oh, they'll pin us against each other, but they cannot stop a mass movement of people. So, again, organize, mobilize, get people to the polls, make some noise when you can. Elect qualified, uh, dignified. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to cheat throwing out words. I can't sound as poetic as, as uh, some of the speakers that I've heard in the last couple of days. But get people out to the polls so that their voices are heard. Now, then you can go and you can convince people that disagree with you to work together because there are some goals that you have in common. I can guarantee it because the universality of struggle. Everybody has a struggle. It just so happens that the person that that might he they might think that that their next door neighbor is getting uh, food stamps and that's why they you know that first person is struggling and that's not the case. They might think oh because this person's getting public housing and I need to send my kids to school they're one and the same, rather than saying we're a society. We need to work together. We need to build to something better. Because maybe my situation is different. But I have the struggles. I have struggles. You have struggles. They're different. But together, they're the same that we can fight for. Because it's all, all universal. Everyone has Issues and everyone fights uh, different demons and different problems. This is why we have to work together. And with that, we're going to go to the last part of the show because I do want to get my my opinion out on this because it is something that uh, warrants it. Because, well, maybe not warrants my opinion, but it warrants some attention. And that is the sexual allegations against Andrew, Governor Andrew Cuomo, and hopefully soon to be former governor, 
Andrew Cuomo. So this is a very Democratic Party centric uh, episode because don't worry, Republicans, I'll we'll get back to you soon enough. Um, but again, this is where it's important to say the Democratic Party is supposed to represent the working class people of this country. The Democratic Party is supposed to represent a uh, more egalitarian, a more, uh, or I guess you should say a less patriarchal society, a less uh, racist society, etc., 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 just from the organization of the structure. So when you have sexual harassment uh, charges that are corroborated by the state's attorney general. There's no doubt in my mind to say that Andrew Cuomo should resign. Andrew Cuomo is a corrupt politician. And and it's funny because sometimes when people hear... uh, me or somebody like another progressive say this they're like really you're gonna say this about he's a democrat you're a democrat it's like yeah because i'm gonna hold them to account because they are supposed to represent the party that i represent and the party that i work for and the party that we go and vote for so we hold them to account it's not a weird dynamic because this is what a representative democracy looks like This is what a republic is. When someone screws up royally and someone's a complete asshole to everybody and actually sexually assaults and sexually harasses people, we don't want them in our party. I don't want you in in any near any levers of power and I don't even want you in the party. I don't want you using the label. Because the party is better than that. The party is better than a lot of things that we're talking about today. And that's why we have to reform it. If you have a if you have a car that is broken down, you can't just keep riding in it and expecting the the results to get better. You might need to upgrade. You might need to upgrade to an electric vehicle rather than keeping with the old gas combustion engine. See what I'm hinting at there? <laughs> and that's not to say that, you know, again, this is why I always emphasize, know your history. Recognize that the New Deal is not that long ago. People alive today were alive then. You know, people remember JFK during the Great Society, in the beginning of the Great Society. And people alive today heard him speak and say that Medicare is supposed to be evolved into a universal program for all people. So just because this, and uh, we'll point out too, because Andrew Cuomo is in there because of nepotism. There is, it's the same thing that you see with like Meghan McCain on TV, or there's plenty of other politicians that are in there because of nepotism. Uh, I'll point out Brian Fitzpatrick riding off his brother's coattails. There's a lot of that. There's a lot of that. Andrew Cuomo needs to go home. <laughs> I was going to try to make it rhyme, but that also would have been really stupid and bad because I did. I caught myself before I did that because that was not what I was trying to say. But Andrew Cuomo is a joke. 
uh, we don't want him in the party. I don't want him in the party. I don't want him to have be the governor anymore. Uh, Bill de Blasio, who is not exactly the most popular politician, he's but he's he is the mayor of New York. He wants uh, Cuomo to resign. Uh, and the leader of the Democratic Party, the president of the United States, Joe Biden, has called on Andrew Cuomo to resign. So we will see if he resigns within the time period of me recording this and releasing this. I doubt it. But between now and next week, we might have a better uh, understanding of, hey, he's not going to resign. Maybe they impeach him. We'll see. That would take a lot of guts from a lot of the people that don't have them in the New York State Assembly uh, and the New York State Senate, but we'll see. It's possible. But with that, I thank you guys for sticking it through with me this week on this episode of the Con O Show. I know this is a lot. This is a lot of rage and anger and, and just a lot of emotions. Just know that our work is not done. It's never done. We need to collectively work towards a better future and the way that we do it is by organizing so if you guys could hit the subscribe button down below hit the like button so it helps me actually grow the show but at the same time you can listen to the show on spotify and apple Podcasts. if you are listening there please do leave a review if you can leave a five-star review if you actually enjoy the show that would be amazing Otherwise, you can subscribe. You can uh, support the show for five dollars a month or more if you like at Patreon.com/slash/TheConOShow. But also, if you could support my campaign for tax collector, you can go check the links in the description box down below. With all that being said, thank you all again. I'm gonna go to bed. <laughs> so um, I'll see you guys all next week. Thank you very much. Stay safe. Peace.